Hello and welcome to the Incredible Witness Podcast. Today's episode is titled, Difficult Conversations. I was listening to a Simon Sinek interview recently in which he talked about having uncomfortable or difficult conversations and how fearful you may be or you can be when considering approaching the person or the persons you feel you need to have a difficult conversation with. He stated that if you are fearful or what could result from having the conversation that you can explain or express your anxiety about it and ask the person to be patient and understanding as concerns your fears. You could further explain that although you have these fears, that your relationship with them means a lot to you, and as a result, you would rather face the risk of having those fears, of whatever those fears might bring, than, than trying to ignore the way you felt following an event or discussion that occurred, which left you feeling that for the sake of the future of your relationship, that you had to bite the bullet in some way and talk it through. When he addressed his fears in connection with the person he needed to have an uncomfortable conversation with, he stated that he asked his friend for permission to have the conversation at, the, at that moment in time, fully cognizant that it might not be the right time for his friend. So informing his friend about the way he was feeling about the discussion was preparing them for that conversation. Then seeking their permission about whether right now was an appropriate time for them to have a discussion with them. Asking his friend whether right now was a suitable time involved showing his consideration that their mindset might not be appropriate at that, at that moment in time. The outcome of his conversation with his friend was extremely positive because it resulted in them both being willing and able to open up and discuss a number of matters which led to their friendship being strengthened yet further. The interview prompted me to think about a number of times in my life when incidents or, or situations have occurred which, which have given rise to the need for me to have to have what it feels like an uncomfortable conversation. Often this occurs when something is said that leaves you either upset or feeling the need to discuss the incident further because it is, it is of such importance to you that you don't consider it can be left as it is. However, in addition to being upset and about the incident, it may have happened in a way that you were unprepared for and thus were unable to address your concerns appropriately. The impact of the event, leaving you, fully, leaving you full of disgruntled and indignant feelings that were too raw for you to attempt to satisfactorily deal with at the time. What frequently occurs then, as a result, is that you carry around the burden of indignation or upset with you, knowing that you have to somehow discuss and air your thoughts and feelings in a constructive as opposed to destructive manner, but also knowing that you have to wait until, until the air clears and you can manage your thoughts and emotions in a, in a rational and articulate way. One of the complications and worries highlighted by Simon Sinek is that if the relationship matters to you, as a result, you can spend a lot of time worrying about what the outcome will be if and when you finally decide to bite the bullet and attempt to arrange a time to express your views and feelings. If the relationship didn't matter, you could either ignore the person and forget about, forget about it because they are not important to you, but you can't do that when it's someone you care about. So you can end up procrastinating for an, in, for an inordinate le- length of time 
about making the effort to deal with a matter that is consuming not only a lot of your time, but your emotions and energy, and not providing you with any worthwhile benefit in return. In such circumstances, it can be very useful to ask yourself one question, designed to deal with your fear of the consequences, and that is, what's the worst that can happen? The likelihood is that the worst that can happen is that the conversation becomes heated, unpleasant and you lose your friendship. Were that to happen though, you would likely have have cause to question the real quality of that friendship in the first place. In other words, although what no one really wants to lose a friend, unless they are a genuine good friend, what have you really lost? If they are a real friend, the chances of you losing your friendship are probably less likely But of course, it's necessary to do a lot of planning and preparation concerning when, where and how you're going to have this vital conversation. The when incorporates Sinek's point of the necessity of talking to the friend and finding out when would be a mutually convenient time to have the discussion. It's very important for the conversation to have the best chance of going well that it has been discussed previously previously, and both are mentally and emotionally ready and willing to converse openly, as well as listen to and learn from the other. Where the conversation takes place is another important consideration. Since both parties should feel a degree of relaxation, safety and comfort in the environment, it is advisable that some thought has gone into ensuring the area or venue is sufficiently secure and private, so that the parties will not be interrupted or observed closely by others. For both parties to get the best out of the conversation and converse openly, they may need to know that what's discussed is confidential to them and some clear structure or boundaries may need to have been established prior to the commencement of the meeting. Talking about establishing suitable structural boundaries around the meeting introduces the notion of how the conversation will will be handled. Some clear thought may need to be focused upon rules or guidelines about allowing each party to to complete what they have to say or the point they want to make before the other party interrupts or starts reacting or responding to the points raised. It perhaps might be necessary to agree that when one party is talking that the other party is is concerned with quietly listening and reflecting on what has been said prior to making any attempt to address the point or points raised. This is to avoid both parties talking at once and thus not hearing and actively listening to the points raised by the other party. How the conversation happens really refers to how it is best agreed that both parties receive feedback. This also needs to be discussed and agreed upon prior to the meeting taking place. Another suggestion that may well be worth thinking about, including in the agreement, concerning concerning guidelines for effectively managing the meeting is clarity around what will or will not be discussed in the meeting. Settling on or agreeing how much time is allocated for the meeting is another useful thing to do because it provides clarity and encourages the parties to stick to the focus of of the meeting given the time constraint. Without the structure being gained from prior agreements concerning what will be discussed and within the appropriate time period, it will be easier for the meeting to lose structure and to spiral out of control. When dealing with a friend, it may be possible or more possible to make the time arrangement or or plan 
the meeting as discussed above. But often during work or life situations, it is not always possible to plan, prepare or control when and where or and how difficult conversations take place. For example, whilst working with a child who was on the autistic spectrum and was clearly quite developmentally delayed, it became clear to me as the social worker at the time that the foster carer caring for the child was not able to provide him with the stimulation and quality of care he needed, although he had lived with her for over two years. Partly, to some extent, this may have been due to a lack of appropriate support from the foster care, from the carer's fostering agency. But the foster carer, unfortunately, lacked the enthusiasm and, and energy that I considered the child consistently required. Having discussed this with my manager, a decision was, was made that the child needed to move to new foster carers, who it was believed had the knowledge of how to meet his needs and were able to offer him the stimulation and support he needed. It was thus necessary for me to have to explain the decision to the foster carer. It was a very difficult conversation because there was no way to skirt around the issues. I had to inform her that a decision had been made that the child had to be moved and arrangements needed to be made to prepare the child for the move by allowing him to get used to the new, new carers. Under most circumstances, good practice would dictate that this meeting took place at the, at the child's foster placement. But such was the upset and, and unhappiness expressed by the foster carer, who clearly loved the child, but was too unhappy about the decision to move him, to agree, and requested that I move him as soon as possible. In pretty much every respect, the situation was far from ideal, but the child was moved and placed with a peer, with a peer of foster carers. Although the new, new carers were experienced, they struggled for several months to get the child into, appropriate, into an appropriate daycare and manage his behaviour before he eventually settled in their care. The previous foster carer did, however, make a decision that she did want to maintain some contact with the child, but such was hers and her son's dissatisfaction with me that it was necessary to obtain this information via discussion with the foster carer's link worker only. Maybe if the child's care situation had been recognised sooner, it may not have been necessary to move the child. As alluded to above, in hindsight, I recognise that the original foster carer was a single parent who had recently lost her mother and only had the support of her adult son. It is possible that had the carer been in receipt of greater support far sooner from her fostering agency, that the need to move him may not have been necessary. As this example illustrates, difficult conversations are a part of life. Where it is possible to prepare, plan and enter into manageable agreements to influence the outcome in a positive way, this is clearly preferable. Unfortunately, this cannot always be guaranteed. But as with everything else in life, the learning from each lesson is to be collated, reflected upon and put into practice for your future benefit and for the benefit of those you work with. Until next time. Thank you.